Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. One of the most important things in our lives are our relationships with friends, family, coworkers. We are social creatures. We crave to be around people. We love to be loved. That's all part of the human existence. But sometimes we find ourselves in relationships that don't support us. And how did we get there? How did that even happen? You know, or do you find yourself, or maybe you know somebody that says, I don't know what it is. I keep getting into these relationships where it's just unhealthy. This, I keep finding the same people and it's not who I'm really looking for. We're going to talk about that today and how to go from being trapped in those unfulfilling relationships to, to breaking free, being in healthy ones, building, loving, fulfilling relationships. And she's somebody that helps people with that all the time as a, an amazing spiritual life coach and so much more. And she's back with us. Jenna Lee is on the program. Hey, Jenna. Hi, Steve. Thank you for having me. Wonderful to have you back here. And I'm sure this is probably one of those things that people mention to you quite often mm. that, you know, everything seems to be great, except, you know, I'm with somebody who, uh, doesn't do it for me or there it's, you know, I, I thought I was getting into a great relationship, but uh, it's really not, but it's a lot like the last one I was in. Um, do you mm-hmm. hear that? You know, a lot of times from people. Yes. Yes. Like definitely. I feel like people go through certain patterns in their relationship that repeat, like, like they get out of a bad relationship and then they think this new one will be different, but actually a lot of this new relationship echoes, uh, some of the similar themes of their past relationships. But I think ultimately it's all leading us to face our demons and grow from them and actually break those patterns because we can't really run away from ourselves, right? Because, like, we are the common denominator. And um, partially, you know, I feel like it is because we are kind of drawing that out of people, like, or we're attracting similar people, even though they may appear different on the outside. Why do you think we, let's, let's talk about getting into the same types of relationships. Why, why does that happen? Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) that's a really hard question. Um, I don't know, like from a spiritual perspective, though, this is what Buddhism or a lot of other traditions will say. Um, Personally, for me, I kind of just withhold judgment. It just happens. But uh, what Buddhism says is that we came here to learn certain lessons. And so we uh, came to a certain family, and that family has certain patterns of relationships or like dysfunction or like good things also. And then from that, we choose our partners, and our partners kind of echo those family relationships. And I feel like it's because we are here to learn a particular thing. Um, and I kind of, yeah, I, I do believe mm. this. <laughs> I believe that we are here to um, completely free ourselves from those patterns of our families. Free from the patterns of our families. So uh, I believe I'm getting that. Uh, can you give an example? Like what, what, what type of pattern that we would be engaging in and we're, we're, we're trying to learn to get out of it or that the universe is trying to teach us to get out of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for example, 
in our families, if um, if our parents were codependent, which just means like maybe you know one of them struggled with anger issues, and the other one was like very accommodating and kind, but maybe like too kind, too passive, um, and that's like there was this codependency. As a child growing up in that family, we're kind of taught to be somewhat codependent. And then as we find partners, we may gravitate, like depending on which uh, parent we identify with, we may gravitate towards a parent who has, or not a parent, um, we may gravitate towards a person who has like anger issues or addictions, or we may gravitate towards like very kind people, very accommodating people, but people who also don't express themselves and like, you know, draw boundaries. So yeah, Mm. I hope that makes sense. Do you think, do you think that we seek out the comfortable? So let's say, you know, Mm. there, there was anger issues with, uh, let's say one parent again, Mm -hmm. completely hypothetical. And now you find yourself in relationships with people that, that have anger, you know, maybe anger management issues. Do you think that we're finding that or we're, we're seeking that because we're most comfortable with that because it's something that we, we grew up with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I think that's very insightful. And I totally agree with what you said. It's That's why. We are so comfortable with it and familiar with it that um, healthy relationships may feel uncomfortable because we're so comfortable with the unhealthy ones. And so that's why I think before getting into a relationship with another person, we need to do some kind of nervous system healing, especially if we've been in dysfunctional families. Like I think um, that kind of up and down, the kind of like excitement and then like, you know, everything being okay again, being calm, and then suddenly like, things blowing up again, like that roller coaster of emotion is probably um, inside our bodies. It has become a pattern. So Hmm. first we have to kind of calm ourselves down, you know, like um, just like somatically, our nervous system is probably familiar with that up and down roller coaster. So, you know, healing ourselves, meditating, going in nature, um, doing tapping meditations, hypnotherapy, like energy healing, anything, anything that will heal you, doing therapy, um, and then finding a partner. Once we feel kind of grounded within ourselves, I think that's really important. So really good point, Jenna. And and how do you know? How do you know when you're healed? Like, how do you know? It's like, all right, uh, been through some bad relationships, worked on myself. I think I'm good to go. How do you know? How do you, how do you? How do you really determine that? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) so I feel like the answer is once you get into the next relationship, that relationship will show you whether you're healed or not. Hmm. Like, it's really easy when you're alone to feel very grounded and calm, but you really have to get into that next relationship to see how much you've healed and then what you still need to work on. When you work with somebody on that level as a a spiritual life coach, Mm -hmm. how does that begin? 
How does that begin? How do you, how do you, it's almost like you're on a fact finding mission yourself, Jenna, to, trying to figure out what, uh, where somebody came from, where they're going, what they're dealing with. Yes. Yes. So, so when I begin, I begin with listening very deeply to what the person is telling me about their situation and depending on where they are in their journey, how I support them will be different. So someone might come to me like just still in the throes of those negative relationships. And so I will, uh, you know, support someone like that very differently from someone who's kind of been on a healing journey. Um, so yeah, it, it differs for every person. So we have instant feedback. You can reach us by the way, instant feedback, Steve at gmail.com. And we got Jake checking in from Sarasota, Florida, who says, I got divorced two years ago and seemed to find women who have a lot of anxiety. I'm looking for somebody that I can make a long-term partner, but it's been very frustrating. Any thoughts on why these people always show up in my life? Mm, okay. Um, you know, I would ask, did either of your parents deal with anxiety? Hmm. Or do you actually, you know, have some anxiety that you don't, address yourself because it can actually be um, that we are finding someone who expresses the parts of ourselves that we don't express. So it might be that you also have anxiety, but um, you don't, you don't kind of like let that part out. You pretend, you know, everything's calm, everything's cool. You got it all under control, but actually on the inside, there is a part of you that is anxious. So you're saying that in terms of Jake's situation or, or anybody dealing with something like that, that they may be, they may have anxiety and not really realize it. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't really say specifically for Jake though, because I would need to know more about your situation, but just, just from what you told me, like very short, mm. that's my take on it. And in that situation where that happens, um, and, and let's say you could find people, like we said before, with anger management or whatever it might be, is it reasonable to think that maybe one of your parents had something like that and that's why you're, you're finding it? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And that's the other thing. Like, if you truly don't have anxiety, um, if either of your parents have that, it's kind of in your genetic line. So, you know, we know about, like, the genes and how they have on-off switches. So you may not be anxious at all, but if one of your parents have it, it might be that you're, like, subconsciously finding someone similar to one of your parents. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Um, it's amazing what we've we've dealt with, at, you know, growing up that we don't realize that that's there. Um, and yeah. I believe, too, and, and tell me your thoughts on this, that we we put the energy out there. We, we're it's almost as if uh, we're sending it out there. Like in Jake's case, and just just hypothetical. That yeah, um, I I I feel most comfortable with people who have anxiety because let's say my mom had anxiety, and uh, I'm resonating that. And it's almost like you're putting a, a fishing line in the water, looking to find that type of fish, and they're all going to show up because you're sending that signal out there. Do, is our energy doing that? Do we do we send those signals out and, and really, literally attract those people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's like also um, to do with intensity. So, like for example, if we had like a like because we love our parents, right? No matter 
if they were good parents, bad parents, we all probably still love our parents. So it's like love becomes associated with intensity. And like if someone had a problem like anxiety or anger and we loved them, then we kind of like when we find someone who's like completely okay and they don't need us and they're healthy and they're not anxious, then that kind of um, relationship between us might feel kind of boring or like, okay, well, what's my role in this? Because we have our certain roles that we're comfortable with. So then when we find someone similar with anxiety then um, to our parent or whoever, then that's when we feel comfortable and we're like, okay, I'm, I'm familiar with the intensity of this, you know? It's really the comfort, the comfortable factor that we, we yeah. just go back. I, you know, you bring back memories here because I was married when I was in my twenties, uh, got married at the end of my twenties and my ex had an abusive father, um, would abuse her in many ways and, and her mom. And she always wanted confrontation. And I don't do that. I'm very low-key. I'm chill. And it was almost like she would try and push my button to try and engage me in something like that. And I wouldn't. And it would frustrate her. And I, it's, you know, and that was part of why things didn't work out. But that's just not me. But that was, for her, That was it felt comfortable. because, And it took me years after I figured that out. But that's, it was comfortable for her. You know, so it it wasn't that she was a bad person. She just re- didn't realize why she was doing it. Right, right. It's like, you know, um, if you've ever seen those physics balls, like those uh, metal balls that are... In I know exactly life. what you're talking... <laughs> like, are you talking about the, the three of them that, that go... Yes. Right? right? That they, they're on strings and they, like, bounce back and forth between each other? Right, and you, like, get one ball and it hits the other ball and it just goes and it's like this pattern and it just goes back and forth <laughs> and it's like in people also there are these switches and when you're you know switched like it just happens like it's not conscious they just have this pattern of like picking fights or being anxious or you know mm-hmm. like all of that yeah. yeah uh this is all stuff that you work with when you're when you're working with somebody right yes uh-huh how does that process start? Somebody reaches out to you on your website, tells you what's going on. You know, anybody's dealing with the same type of unsupporting relationships. And then does it start with like a free discovery call? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I have like a free uh, 30 minute call, but also um, if you know, that 30 minutes is not enough to cover it, we can reconvene like a, in a couple of days. So I basically have uh, two free consultation calls. And then if we determine that we are a good fit, then um, I will kind of first ask a lot of questions about, you know, the relationship and the patterns that they're falling into, like for the, for the client and then also for the client's significant other and then their family background. And from this, a kind of road emerges of like, because all of our relationships are actually, they begin on the inside. And how other people feel about us can be a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. So I want you to, I, I want you to, that sounds very impactful. I want you to say that again. Hmm. So how other people feel about us 
can be a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. Interesting. Yeah. mm -hmm. So, but it's also ourselves having the perception of how others feel about us. You know, we may, we may have it wrong. We may think everybody thinks I'm fantastic. They love me, but that might not be the reality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then also conversely, you could think like everyone just hates me, but actually that's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, I think that's a common one as well. And that, and again, you know, we talk about things coming from your childhood. That could be coming from your childhood where you were led to believe that you weren't good enough or you weren't truly lovable, or maybe your parents didn't, didn't show you love and you're dealing with that. Right, right. Like maybe they didn't know how to love you and, and how to see you the way that you are. Mm-hmm. So you took that on yourself and then you thought that I'm unlovable and then that's how you engage with the world now. What are in the few minutes that we have left here, what are other relationship challenges that people deal with that you can help out with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically um, toxic relationships, narcissistic relationships, codependent relationships, um, and then also mind management, emotional management, like I help with those especially, and, and self-love, because I think a lot of these issues stem from a lack of self-love or a lack of wise self-love. So we may like think we're the greatest, but you know, deep inside, it might be that there is some shadow aspect of ourselves that we don't engage with or think about. And this part of ourselves is like, not very loving, not very self-loving. I think we're afraid. Many of us are afraid to even admit that if we love ourselves that we do, uh, or, or even take that concept. Uh, yeah, we look at it as, Oh, you know, I, I don't want to say that cause I have an ego. That sounds like I have, you know, so self-serving, but it's probably one of the most important things you can do for yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Where do you start in loving yourself? Um, mm-hmm. you know, I was on that journey. I, I, I would never say this even five years ago, but I'd have to say mm-hmm. I'm a pretty cool guy. You know, I care about, <laughs> care about yeah. uh, probably care too much, you know, and don't care enough, uh, you know, for myself, which is, you know, that's on me. I need to make that balance a little bit uh, better and put up some boundaries. But how do you begin to to really feel more love for yourself? Uh, and, how, you know, even be, if you can, Jenna, even personally, you know, in your life, how did that, uh, how did you realize that? Mm, yeah. Yeah, and I also think you're a really cool guy. So, oh, thanks. I, I think you're fantastic. Um, yeah. So, I think so. For me, self love was a really long journey, and that's why I can speak to it so much, um, especially for people in toxic relationships. Because I, when I was younger, I had a kind of like bravado of like, oh yeah, like I'm fine, everything's good. But then on the inside, I realized I hated myself. Mm. Yeah, and I think this is a common story, but it's like so weird to say it out loud. (laughs) Um, And now I feel the same. Like I feel like I really love myself and I treasure and value myself. 
which is like a complete 180, right? And I think it was, so this is not an easy answer. It's not like an attitude adjustment. It was more like by living my life in a good way and by constantly trying to do good in the world and also minimize, you know, my, like, negative habits or, like, not hurt others. And if I did, to always, like, you know, do the right thing, like, always try to do the right thing. It was basically by trying to live a good life that I got true self-esteem. It takes, it takes, it's a journey, right? It takes time to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people, um, if they're in a bad place with themselves, they think like, oh, I just need to do affirmations and like, I love myself. But that only works to a certain extent. Really, like you are watching yourself all the time. So if you're doing things that are hurting other people, then you're going to know. And you're going to feel a certain way about yourself because of that. So, yeah, from that, I'd say, you know, um, adjust your habits, do good. That's the way to love yourself. And I'll put a period at the end of that sentence and and say, yeah, we're good. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) Um, That being said, we find you where? What's your website, Jenna? Yeah, so my website is jennalotus.com. Um, you can find everything on there. My Instagram's linked there, Facebook, um, and a Calendly consultation call. I am going to uh, peel back the curtain for just a moment. Last time we got together, you said, I am outside and you might hear some birds in the background. And you know, is, it, it, is, is it going to be distracting? And I really didn't hear them last time. This time, I do hear them. And I have to tell you, it's, it adds to the relaxation of your voice and the message that you're sending. Uh, it almost sounds like I'm playing bird sound effects in the background, but I assure everybody, I am not. They're, they are real birds. Um, and it's, it's wonderful. Just wanted to share that. I thought, you know, we, we were both talking about that last time, but I truly hear them this time and it's great. Yeah. Okay. Oh, great. Yeah. So I'm still here in the field on my spiritual retreat. <laughs> Uh-huh. I, and that's you know that's the other point um, that I brought up last time very briefly that you walk the walk. I mean, as a spiritual life coach, here you are on a spiritual retreat, grounding yourself so you can help others, and also learning more so you can help others, which is is fantastic. And uh, and for that, I, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you too, and I appreciate you saying that to me. Thank you. I mean it. And thanks for being here. Thanks for you know, all the relationship help and also for, for Jake who, uh, who chimed in and look forward next time we get a chance to get together. Yeah, same. Thanks. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Let's go inside the mind of a 10-year-old. I should have worn those earrings today. I like those earrings. Gabby has those awesome earrings. I need to ask her where she got those, but that's just what she would want me to do. I'll have Michaela ask her for me. Buckle up, Sarah. Yeah, but then Michaela will be like, why don't you just ask her yourself? That's just like Michaela. Sarah, buckle up. Michaela's such a great name. I wish I was called Michaela. There's like a dozen Sarahs in my class. Hey, we're not hitting the road until you buckle up, honey. Oh, yeah. Seatbelt. I forget sometimes because my brain is, like, busy, you know? 
I wonder if there's pizza at school today. Sometimes it can be tough to get through to your kids, but it's not impossible. Always make sure they're wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Remember, you have the keys, you have the power. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information.